Sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Spooky Sundays. Welcome to all the Grand Pooh Bars, the Parastalkers, the Paralurkers, the Darksiders. This is the Ecto Sisters. Is that what we are? Yes, the Ex. No, the Exor Sisters. Exor Sisters. <laughs> Exor Sisters. <laughs> like the other one as well. <laughs> Thank you so much for that title. We yeah. accept it. With yeah. Hands, hands outstretched in blessing. Thank and you. we are your hosts this evening, myself, Anne Rakovich, and over beside me is hello, Renata Daniel. And we welcome to those people who are watching us live on Facebook at the moment. We will ditch you guys at quarter past eight. And then you've got to come and listen with the rest of the people via the radio app or live streaming. So, Renata, we are dragging our sorry asses over the line, aren't we? We are. We've just come back from Dubbo. We uh, left yesterday. and No, we left this morning, but that's okay. No, no, we left yesterday to go to oh, Dubbo. Oh, to go to Dubbo. To go to Dubbo. Yep. A three-hour tour last night at their beautiful, fantastic and very spooky Old Dubbo Jail. Thank you, Old Dubbo Jail, for allowing us to provide a ghost tour for people. Uh, and a lot of people came from uh, out of town which was nice because they probably left some money there in Dubbo, which we hope they did. And uh, we had a great night with uh, a huge group of people. And then this morning we got up, had breakfast and rallied and got home a couple of hours ago. Uh, Yes, we we had a bit of a fright because, um, well, first off, we we went to have our breakfast at quarter past ten in the morning. We thought we'll be out of there by eleven. We hadn't seen the food. No. Hadn't turned up. No. They'd lost our order, so we eventually rustled all that up. At 11.30, we've gone, oh, we better see how long it's going to take us to get home. It's normally about four, four and a half hours. Five and a half hours. Mm. We freaked out. We're going, we've got the show tonight. We've got to get home. Like we, we can't drive five and a half hours straight. We have to have a break. I know. And the worst <laughs> thing is there's no coffee in between. No. No stop with coffee. Where are all the McDonald's on the roads? I mean, to say, there was nothing. Oh, How we, inconsiderate, We Renata. did stop somewhere. I'm not going to mention where it was. And I had the most horrendous coffee I've ever had in my whole life. Yep. I even because, had a sip. It was bad. Because our other our other shop there that says fantastic coffee um, was closed. They yeah. just closed the door. So we went across the road. And I thought, oh, look, I've got to try it. I really need a good See, the fact it wasn't a coffee shop was a big red herring yeah, to me. Yeah. It was a fast food cake shop. Yeah, but um, mm. we won't mention where it was. No, 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 no. no, no. no. no, no but no, no. it was a awful, awful coffee. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's after we spent like an hour talking about Horrible foods from the 1970s. Oh, yes. So send in a message. Send us in a message about what still haunts you from the 70s and 80s when it comes to food that back then we thought was exotic. Mm-hmm. So the number is 0490 uh, And we were talking about things like Devon rolls with um, mashed potato. We yeah, were talking yeah, Deb, about... Deb mashed potato. Deb, oh, it had to be Deb mashed potato we were talking about brawn um, brawn. <laughs> brawn don't forget brawn uh, 
<laughs> we were talking about um, crab sticks. Oh, crab sticks. <laughs> we had to look up what meat, what um, <laughs> uh, seafood extender was. Yeah, that oh, we was don't a want to tell you what seafood extender was. You'll never eat it again. Um, yeah, what else? What else we were talking about? I don't know. I was so traumatized by the whole thing. Are <laughs> oh, the the um, orange that used to sit in the middle of the um, the table, the catering table with the uh, pickled onion and the cheese and um, a bit of cabanossi. Oh, cabanossi was just so exotic. <laughs> so exotic 40 years ago. Oh, Deborah doesn't like chico, chico rolls. Chico rolls, oh, Deborah. That's a mystery bag. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's so I've I have I've, um, quite often sort of dug things out of that going, oh, what the hell oh, is sorry. that? You, you hit my microphone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Devon, yeah, Devon was the big one. But Deb, oh, Deb was the first kind oh, of frozen, Steve. <laughs> freeze, freeze-dried food uh, possible. And I, I kept on saying you could put as much um, liquid into Deb uh, as you wanted and it still... <laughs> Steve travelled home with us. He said he's never going to look at mock cream the same way again. (laughs) Mock cream. Oh, nothing was ever served with um, fresh cream. It was always mock Mock cream. Mock cream. And don't forget a good gherkin relish dip. (laughs) Oh, no. And French onion made with the French onion soup by Maggie. Maggie? 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 I I quite like that. Don't you be picking Mm. on that. Oh, just exotic plus. Do we have some paranormal news this week? I do. I do. I'll get to that. <coughs> Pardon me. So this is a story uh, from March, uh, so just recent, Fresh. and it starts off by saying, nurse haunted by growl- growling old hag ghost <laughs> that's in love with her husband. Okay. No I didn't derogatory say to- comments I didn't say right I've got to stand now. up. My foot is going to sleep on no, this chair. Oh, no my God. I'm going to fall over. So a woman said that she was stalked by a ghost in love with her husband, according to a psychic, and now her oh. son has inherited her gift by spotting ghouls at their home. So Gemma Palgraman and her family are almost constantly haunted a woman said she's being stalked by a ghost who is in love with her husband and now the family are being regularly haunted. Well, there's a difference between regularly and constantly, but let's not... Let's not. My leg is waking up. It's not good. So Gemma Palfreman, 36, describes herself as a sensitive, a person who is more aware of ghostly senses and apparitions through energy coming from people, places or things. Hmm, never heard of that. I thought sensitive, sensitive meant mm-hmm. you know somebody said something nasty to you, you'd be on a puddle in the floor and crying. Mm. Oh my god, my legs are waking up. It's not nice. So she's seen ghosts. I'll just take over, people. Don't worry about her at all. Uh, she's seen ghosts all her life, but none that have caused such a ruckus as a growling old hag, who, according to a psychic, is in love with her husband Jason, aged thirty-two. What psychic is telling her this? Oh, the ghost dressed in Victorian attire. Softened with the pair, oh, softened when the pair had their first child, eight year old Cameron, and left them alone. Geez, that's a bit old to be <laughs> giving birth to a child. I know. But awoke the young boy's psychic powers, and now he sees ghosts too. Mm. Gemma was initially haunted by the ghost, but all that changed when Cameron was born in 2013, she said. Luckily, she smiled at him. But we uh, would always be. Here, banging in the house, walking up the stairs and slamming doors, and she would growl too. <sighs> that was me. We know that feeling. Yeah, that was <laughs> We've been me doing this a bit morning. of that today. 
<laughs> oh, yes. Um, as the alarm went off for the third time. And let me say, that was my alarm that went off the third time. And my alarm only went off once. Oh, just Somebody else's alarm went off twice yeah. before we were meant to get up. I need three alarms to get up in the morning. It's just on automatic, but mm-hmm. never mind. Okay. Uh, when Cameron came along, I kept seeing her near her, his cot, which I think may have been because he has this sixth sense. Luckily, when they moved to Norfolk in 2015, they left the hostile spirit behind them, although Gemma says they soon picked up new ghosts. She said that oh, one day... ghost magnets. Yep. She said that one day Cameron complained about an old old lady on the landing and the youngster was so scared he didn't leave his room at night. Oh, is that when he was meant to go and do his homework? (laughs) Oh, no, there's a ghost out there. I can't do my homework. After Cameron complained, he started telling Gemma about an elderly lady called Iris who was roaming the landing of their 19th century cottage at night. That's my grandma's name. Uh, Yeah. Do you know what her nickname was? What? My granddad used to call her Fanny. Uh-huh. Nice. Mm. Don't know why. The house where she died more than 100 years earlier was named after her. And thinking back, Gemma recalled Cameron pointing and staring into the air, as well as muttering away to an invisible person when he was just a baby. Gemma said, we would go for walks when he was three years old. And he would say, look, there's a woman on the bench, but there would be no one there. Mm-hmm. He hated walking past churchyards or graveyards too, and he would say, look at the sad people. She was particularly taken aback when he was four and she caught Cameron shouting out of the window, claiming he was speaking to his great-grandmother, who had died nearly 30 years before he was born, and he had never even seen a photograph of her. Gemma said, a few years ago, we would hear him shouting upstairs, so I ran up and asked him, who are you shouting to? And he said, nanny back. This was what I called my nanny. We called her Nanny Hurtback because she always had a bad back. But she died when I was four from cancer and I have never mentioned her to Cameron. But given her family's psychic experiences over the years, it was no great surprise that Cameron had an affinity with the supernatural. Gemma explained, my uncle is the same and could always see things as a young man. My nan was from a Romany background too and worked as a fortune teller while my great nan read tea leaves. But while living with spirits can be unpredictable, Gemma says people should not be scared of them and that she's thankful for her otherworldly powers. She said, don't be scared if you are a sensitive like me. If you act scared, you can sometimes attract bad spirits. You should always listen to what is being said in case they have a message to pass on to you or someone else. And sometimes it can be a comfort. Like when I told, I was told by a medium a few years ago that my man, nan is always with me. Well, she should have known that herself. Sometimes, <laughs> if I have a bad day, I wear her bracelet or watch, and it, feels, bra. <laughs> and it feels different. I know she is with me. You can just see the spirit as your guardian angel looking out for you. No. Well, I'm glad she gets some comfort from that. That's nice. And yeah. I do like that she was saying that uh, don't be frightened. Yeah. True. But did you know that um, children, when they are little like that and they're babbling to what looks like nothing, 
they're actually practicing speaking. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that there is a ghost or an entity there. It is part of the development of a child to babble and make noises and carry on a conversation as if someone's there because they are actually practicing. Mm-hmm. That's that's how they learn. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you just blown that out of the water. Sorry. Sorry. Oh. Well, I have a Bachelor how, how of Music she? Education. I did some education oh. units. <laughs> You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. And it's my turn. Mm-hmm. No, you look like you're about to say something, Renata. Mm. I was just going to say, uh, we've had some great feedback from last week with our <laughs> fabulous guest, Claire. Miss Claire. Miss Claire. Little Dixon. Uh, little Dixon. And um, we loved having her in studio. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed the great uh, episode with the ghostwriter and uh, Claire's part and the special, not so special, um, not supposed to be here. <laughs> guest. Um, the person we dragged off the street with the really bad Scottish accent. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> it was so actually Claire's chauffeur. That's right. That's the driver. <clears throat> Claire's minder. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that was awesome. And do you know that every single episode of uh, Spooky Sundays is up now yes. on Spotify and iTunes. There's over so 30 of them. Over 30. All you do have to do is go over to uh, Spotify or iTunes. Look for Spooky Sunday. Or Lime Deezer. Green. Lime Green. That's what we are. Uh, and you'll mm. see our fabulous faces there and you can click on that and enjoy all of the 30, 30 plus episodes that we have up. Um, and we'll be posting some on our socials anyway. But yeah, please jump on in and join uh, the craziness and watch the episodes or listen to the episode, sorry, if um, you have missed out on any. Um, it actually helps with the numbers and uh, it may mean that they'll keep us here yeah. rather than boot, boot us out on a Sunday evening. Yeah, oh, they're not going to boot us out just yet. But we're running away. Oh, yes, we are. Now, everyone, this is a very special episode. It's the very last one we do live before we go to England. Mm-hmm. Now, this time next week, we will be sitting in a motel room listening to the show we have recorded for you guys. So you won't miss out. You will have us still here every Sunday night from 8 to 10 p.m. That's Sydney, New South Wales time to uh, listen to the Spooky Sunday show because we love you guys so much. We have pre-recorded five shows. So you'll be able to follow our travels and do all that sort of stuff. And uh, obviously we're not going to be able to see any text messages that come in. But uh, if you put the feedback up somewhere on Facebook and let us know, we will be watching. We will be making sure that you guys are still listening in. But right now, I'm going to tell you a ghost story. I can't wait. This is the curse of the bloodstone ring and the severed hand of a murdered bride that trapped a killer. How's that for a light title? Now, this is not ghostwriter, people. This is a true ghost story that I found on reveris.bythehostfor.com. It was also on Donkey Junk. So I'm going to share it with you. Okay, can't wait. Gale-forced winds lashed the tiny English village of Willisham. Willy, willy, willy. Ripping slates from the roofs and tearing limbs from trees. 
A huge old oak shuddered beneath the onslaught and then, caught by one mighty gust, toppled, its roots tearing at the earth beneath. Villagers who rushed to the spot to see if anyone was hurt stopped in horror as they gazed between the gnarled roots. There lay some human remains. Police Constable Clug. What a fabulous Clug. K-L-U-G. Clug. Or Klug. We'll call him Clug. I like it better. <laughs> the only Bobby in the East Anglican community was called and he ordered that the body be taken from its strange grave. One of the dismembered hands had a ring on one finger. Acting on a hunch, as the good old Bobbies do, a grim-faced constable carried the hand to Ellen Gray, a sister of a girl who had vanished mysteriously only 18 years before, in 1873. Ellen screamed and then hugged the ghastly relic to her breast. She's hugging a dead hand to her breast. Yeah, nice. 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 It's Mary's, she sobbed. The bloodstone ring was my wedding gift. She was born in March, and it was her birthstone. Oh, my goodness. Oh, am I overacting? Yes. Oh, sorry. I am a professional <laughs> actor, you know. Okay, all right. all right. You go for it. Clug understood. Though the case was before his time, it was so well known in the area, it had been a, a subject of a very popular ballad. Nothing like making a tune. Uh, out of a dead hand? Yep. Oh, no, out of a dead girl. On her 18th birthday, Mary Gray had married Basil Osborne. Oh, Basil. No one names their kids Basil anymore. Oh, no. What's Such the world? Such a shame. The world's just gone to, to rack and ruin with no Basils in it. She had written a letter to John Bodney's, her sweetheart since childhood, asking for his forgiveness. Obviously, she got a better offer. <laughs> There was a better dowry or something going on there, or maybe a bit just better other parts. Mm. Anyway, an hour before the groom was to take her away on the honeymoon, Mary told her sister she wanted to spend a little time alone mm. in the upstairs room they had shared. When Osborne arrived with the carriage, she still hadn't come down. She's still having a private moment, a mm -hmm. bit of alone time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Frightened, they forced their way into the locked bedroom but found no trace of the bride. One window opened onto a balcony where a flight of stairs led to an enclosed garden, but the garden, too, was empty. The abandoned bridegroom died a month later. Oh, no. Oh, <gasps> didn't even get to consummate the marriage. Broken heart. The village... Oh, you're psychic. The villagers blamed a broken heart, Renata. Oh, there you go. There you go. Now, 18 years later, the village knew what had become of Mary, for the skeleton had a broken neck. Ellen refused to give up her murdered sister's hand. It had been brought to her for a purpose, she said. That purpose must be fulfilled. She left a bizarre provision in her will. Her housekeeper, Maggie Williams, was to save her estate but must display the hand in some public place where it may someday confront the murderer. Oh. 
Oh. I think that word was meant to be dying. She left a bizarre provision. It said sighing. I don't think she went, ah, I'm going to leave a bizarre thing in my will. Anyway. So I think she died. Maggie opened what became the finest pub in Willysham and gave the hand a place of honour on the wall. Oh, in- is it still there? Enclosed in glass against <gasps> a black velvet background, the bony ringed fingers claimed the attention of everyone. After the shock of the exhibit had worn away, the tale of Mary's murder was a frequent topic of conversation. On a dismal March night in 1895, a stranger sat listening to scraps of the talk must have been such a night as this that the wind ripped out that old oak tree said the publican the stranger brooding man with a ravaged face looked up from his glass i don't understand what oak tree he said have a look at the case on the wall and and then we'll tell you the story the barman told him moments later the stranger was screaming. He sagged against the wall, blood dripping from his fingers. An older man at the bar recognised him as Mary's missing former sweetheart, John Bodney's. <gasps> oh. oh, apparently Constable Clug is still around. Constable Clug arrived. The bleeding man confessed to the murder of Mary Gray. In a frenzy of jealousy, he had found the bride alone in her room. Muffling her cries, he carried her from the house. Bodneys insisted that he had not meant to kill her. But when they reached the big oak tree, she was struggling, struggling so hard, he had broken her neck. Oops. He left her in a shallow grave under the oak and tried to put Willisham behind him forever. But there was never a moment of peace since the crime, and inevitably he had been compelled to return. Committed to the local jail to await trial, he died of an no known disease before his trial could be held. The authorities dismissed the old wives' tale that the murderer's hand sometimes drip blood when he faces the proof of his crime. But the village, the people of the village knew what they had seen. They buried Mary Gray's hand with the rest of her skeleton and then ceremoniously burned the shirt smeared by John Bodney's bloody fingers the day he came face to face with his guilt. Wow. Isn't it a great story? Great story. I found a whole heap of those ones there. I absolutely loved it. And it's spooky chat time with your hosts, Anne and Renata, on Spooky Sundays. Spooky chat. Spooky chat. By the Exorcistas. <laughs> I just love that. I love it. Love it. Uh, we've, we've actually seen a design of a T-shirt that uh, we might be featured on that uh, will be coming out, and we are so ecstatic about it. Yeah. You know who you are. You've done a bloody good job. Um, but now we, we're going to get on to some questions from our listeners. And thank you, you those people people who have participated you've all been entered into tonight's competition to win uh, 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 the latest magazine haunted which if you would like to purchase it yourself go to living life in the full spectrum and the lovely sarah chumachero will help you out with a magazine they're good magazines yeah they're i think it's about 1995 which yeah. includes your postage um and they're real oh, don't quote me 
on that, but I think that's what it is. Uh, but we're also going to throw in uh, one of our coffee mugs and we'll, we'll see what else we throw in yep. there. Uh, anyway, Joe, Celtic Dragon, is it offensive to call ghosts spooks or ghouls? Yeah, well, I'd say it is. Um, you know, but there are two ways to think about this. If you're talking to them directly, if you're wanting to speak to someone, you're talking to them directly, you wouldn't call them a spook. Hey, spook. Or hey, ghoul. You know, um, you're dead, love. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I'm going to get in trouble. You know, I, I guess when you're talking to other people uh, in their surroundings, it would still be a little bit. Um, offensive. What do you think, Anne? I think uh, if you knew the person well and they would have got a laugh out of that, I reckon it's okay to do it. But if you are entering into somebody else's location <clears throat> and you don't have a relationship or didn't have an earthly relationship or a ghostly relationship with that, um, that might be a little bit... Um, Mm, arrogant yeah yeah it's like calling um grandma or your auntie that's protecting the house a demon yeah saying oh you've got a demon in the house and grandma's sitting there going no i'm not i'm here just trying to make sure your toddler doesn't choke yeah don't you be calling me a demon and they'll get a bit poopy yeah and they might start to throw things around so yeah i I just i always like to try and treat people in death as i would life maybe a bit better (laughs) good question yeah good question um uh, Catherine just says, can't think of a paranormal question, but really want a copy of the Morton magazine. <laughs> you are in the draw. You're in the draw. Uh, right, Daniela. So Zach and I went to Woolies this afternoon, and when he came home, his stereo was playing, and it hasn't been turned on in about three months. How would you go about finding out if it was paranormal or just a weird occurrence? And we call those things jot, just one of those things. Yep. And just one of those things happen quite often. And it may just not be paranormal, uh, although that's weird for the stereo to come on when it hasn't played for so long. Uh, we have to just be aware of not jumping to conclusions uh, every single time something happens. It may be something, but it may not be. So I would ask for uh, another sign. I would Kind give, of, me sign, give me a sign, Give me a sign, spirit. I want a better sign than that, spirit. <laughs> so I would ask for another sign and also have a think about whether there is an anniversary of a passing or a birthday of someone uh, that was meaningful to you in the family because it might just be that that can um, sort of trigger a memory and the association of who this might be. Uh, for me, I'd be asking questions like how does the um, stereo turn on and off? Is it possible that an animal or something in the house may have bumped it on? Uh, is it operated by a remote control? Uh, is there someone in the area that may have a similar remote control that may have activated it? Um, could it have accidentally, accidentally been left on but the power socket sort of slightly out so therefore it wasn't on and then it's got jiggled and... Uh, somehow turn on. I go to the logical all oh the time. Lord. I know. God help me. I know. <sighs> uh, Maxine. Hello, Maxine. Hello, how Maxine. are you? Hi, Mark, if you're listening too. Um, how do you know if a spirit is a good or bad one? That's a nice question. I like that. It is. It is. I guess it's hard. There are a lot of people that say, oh, all spirits oh, they can mimic. pretend they're somebody else. Oh, they can mimic spirits, somebody else. Child spirits of the devil. Yeah, especially when it's the Ouija board. They can oh, say they're God, whoever they are. go there. I know. I'm going there. So this is a hard thing, Maxine. And I guess uh, this is 
about experience, having experience. And there are other things that can go on that give you clues. So, you know, what's happening in a, on a site, you know? Is it something that is very disturbing and um, making you feel um, not safe? Or is it um, an energy that just seems to be around and, you know, good things happen, I guess, when that, that energy is around you? But that doesn't necessarily mean if something bad happens to you, it's a bad entity. Bad things happen in life. It's they just do. part of life. Yeah, absolutely. There is good things and bad things. We're, but we are talking about things that really rarely happen. But people... People think that these things happen all the time Mm -hmm. because of what they see on TV. And it doesn't. These things are pretty rare. Some families find that they have these things happen all the time to them. And that's usually because there is someone very, very psychic in the family that seems to draw that energy towards them. But in most cases, there are lots of other families that never have anything happen to them. Yeah. So how do you know if a spirit's good or bad? Um, just see what happens around you. And yeah. uh, don't be don't be looking for the bad things. Because if you look for the bad things, you will find them. Mm. And don't attribute life... Everyday life to... Yeah, everyday life spirits to... All the time. A spirit that is making you unlucky or um, making you have... Bad things happen. Okay, Dazard giving a shout out to the missus. I hope that her wrist is feeling better. Um, what's your view on numerology and master numbers? Thanks in advance, Dazard. Hey, Dazard. Well, numerology is one of those uh, occult arts that you learn. Uh, and it, this isn't like tarot or oracle cards. You can't really change the meanings of numbers in numerology. So it is a, a specific tool that must be learnt in the way that uh, it is is you know produced I guess um, and it can be interesting it can be something that people find uh, quite fun to play with and they pay a lot of attention to master numbers and to numbers like where they live so your house number your birth date um, the Chinese use a lot of numerology in uh, their, yeah, their num- practices. Number 12 is chicken chow mein. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, is it part of our thing? It's one of those things that is now brought into the, the spiritual world and it's one of those things that we can all learn. But from history, uh, we kind of didn't really get into numerology. Yeah. It was We're high magic. So, you know, occultists used to learn numerology and now it seems to be something that everyone can learn. And the TV series that we did, The Space Between, that was all based on um, numbers and synchronicities around certain numbers. Mm. And that in itself was fascinating. And after we got to the end of that, I worked out my numerology number and it was the same number as the TV series that they Mm. investigate. You have to watch it. It's on 7 Plus. Um, It's, can I just say that Bianca and, um, oh, brain drain. What's Bianca's other half? (laughs) 
We love you. <laughs> uh, they did a fantastic job. Yeah. Morning Star Productions. Um, yes. So get on to 7 Plus and watch it while it's still there. And you can see Anne, Renata and the Silver Fox, Roman. Um, as in our element. In our element, doing our thing. Oh, we were so much younger back then. <laughs> so, so many less kilos we were carrying around. All right, I've got time for one more. Uh, good evening, Kerry. Uh, I was wondering when you're investigating, is language an is- is- issue? I have seen some shows that get interpreters and others say it doesn't matter. What's your opinion? Good question. Yeah. I would use the language uh, within the country that you are in. Um, That's kind of just my thought. Um, When we were in Romania, we actually had an interpreter in one case. Uh, We were getting messages through the... um, through glass dowsing that we didn't understand. So we happened to ask the lady anthropologist that was there at the time. We were lucky that we were in a castle wandering around. As you do. <laughs> and uh, we asked her to come up and be part of this uh, glass dowsing session um, to see if she could interpret the lettering that was coming up because the lettering was, was coming up in a language we didn't know. And it turned out that it was Romanian. And she understood every single thing that was happening, which so, is really weird because we, we've got our fingers on this glass and we have no idea what's coming so out. So we just ended up being the battery. We just enabled her to have a conversation with someone on the other side. And she was getting answers about a missing head from a skeleton yes. that she had. Yes. And that was astounding. So <laughs> As old ladies are faking it. <laughs> so she she uh, would interpret the letters, and then put them into the words, and then tell us what was going on. But she led the whole thing, really. She was the one asking the questions yeah. in Romanian. When we were in Norfolk Island, the beautiful Liz was speaking Norfolk. Yeah. So I think it is important. I think it's good manners. Yeah, to speak the language of the country you are in. I, don't, I think if you've got no choice and there's no one to help you, um, if you say what you, the questions you want in your mind and out loud I think it's the intention that you're you're giving as well yeah so we'll go back to some more questions here um, hi Brent how are you um, this is Brent and he's asking can residual hauntings turn into intelligent hauntings and vice versa very good question mm. I think a residual haunting is there is no intelligence there to start with but if ghost hunters go in there and keep telling the story and feeding the energy into the location they can create the uh the um like the entity so to speak what they call a thought form Mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily that the residual haunting becomes intelligent again it's that the people who keep telling the story of the ghost and then focusing their energy on it create the thought form Mm -hmm. so can intelligent Entities, so this is ones that will give you um, specific answers back and forth. Can they become residual? Hmm. Oh God, this is hard. Um, I look. I I think possibly, uh, possibly because the the maybe the energy of the entity fades. Mm. I mean, we nobody really knows. We no. can't give you a definitive answer. I can only um, tell you my thoughts from my studies and my readings that I've done. And um, 
I, I think with any entity is that the reason why um, some of these entities are here with us for so long is because people keep talking about them. Mm-hmm. And it's the same as with the residual hauntings. If they feed it, mm-hmm. it becomes a thought form. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, those ones, if maybe if there's no one around to talk about it, it just fades. Mm-hmm. And yes. But does it become residual? Uh, it might fade completely. I don't yeah. know whether it would be residual because we sort of always look at residual hauntings and intelligent hauntings as two different things. Yeah. That there is no ghost associated with a residual haunting. No, and yet it's a there playback. Is a, and yet there is in an intelligent haunting. So, you know. Can the ghost die twice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And can it turn into something else? What are your That's thoughts, guys? A huge question. Yeah, text That's it in. Very interesting question. Yeah, I like it, Brent. Well done. 0490 What are your thoughts on that? Can an intelligent haunting a, a, a entity that is obviously thinking and interacting with you, can they then become a residual haunting? Great question. Oh, this is um, in response to your 70s food, and I have to agree with you. This is Jody. My father used to love eating tongue. <laughs> Steve, there's one for you, a nice gelatinous one. He's going... <laughs> Steve travelled with us to Dubbo to help us out on the weekend. Um And her horrible memory is my mum trying to feed a steak and kidney pie. I can't leave anything Uh, that urine's gone through. Yeah, look, I have seen tongue um, uh, in uh, butcher shops and just the question is why? There are so many other pieces of that animal that you could eat. Why do you want to eat the tongue? I don't know. Is there something that can taste you back? Is is there something nutritious about that? But anyway, yes. There is a whole Um, story of me um, meeting my um, in-laws to be when I came over for lunch one day and they presented me with their best meal, which was a big ox's tongue sitting on the plate. I nearly died. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, that's just so wrong in so many ways. Uh, I would have left the family. I. You got no idea. Oh, no. I just that day I said, "Oh, I just I'm, I'm not feeling real well. I might just have some <laughs> Can salad." Can I just drink wine? <laughs> oh boy, I was only sixteen. If you've got a story about nineteen seventies or eighties food, uh, message it in on zero four nine zero eight four triple eight six. And Donna said that uh, camp pie was another one. Oh, camp pie! Yeah. That was kind of the same as spam, a bit wasn't like it? Spam, yeah. It's a cheaper version of spam. All right, we can do it. Less gelatin. We can do a quick one because <laughs> you've only got short before the news I feel my gran around me a lot lately what would be the best way to make contact with her and she loves all our shows it's Donna oh, thank you Donna quick uh, bring a picture out of her and pop it somewhere where you can see it all the time uh, look her in the eyes and say hi my sweet I miss you so much so make that emotional connection again uh, you might want to put a candle on or play some favourite music that she would have loved but pay her attention and that memory will come back and um, just be there for uh, a short period of time with you and for you. Beautiful. You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live Radio. Look, I'm saying to you at the moment, Anne, the other side seems to be in a much better... (laughs) But much better state than this side at the moment. Really? It's just going nuts everywhere, isn't it? The whole world oh, is the in, world, in, yeah. in just a rubbish state. Hey, tell me, have you started packing yet? I 
put some things um, in a spot today. I haven't taken That's, down the, the yeah. bag yet. I've had my bag out for a week or so, and I just keep, as I think of things, I pop it in there. And mm. um, But I'm still having to learn a couple of cameras before we oh, leave. I still God, haven't learned how to use terrifying. them. It's oh, terrifying. Oh, there's so much we have to do. Oh. This is not a holiday. No, and oh. I, I really don't like, I don't know whether I like the whole going live on YouTube thing. You'll suck it up, Princess. No, You'll get used to it. I don't know. <laughs> we I just don't know. It's old habits being on Facebook. But Facebook is not very supportive of um, people who are trying to create content. No, it's so, not. So um, th- we, we're heading over to YouTube. And apart from that, YouTube uh, actually pays you to, to have content there. They'll uh, put some ads in and you get at least a cent an ad or something. Mm. <laughs> Make oh, five cents a day. Dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, anyway. <clears throat> An Australian ghost story for years old. And this comes from the Mirror on the 7th of February, 1925, and it's called A Haunted House. And this comes from the book Australia's Haunted History by Trudy Twohill. I've read a few of the stories in this book, and they are awesome. So it's a book that you can pick up from um, your local online bookstore. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do voices like I do? No, I'm not that good. All right. So there is an ordinary suburban residence, fairly modern and not at all spooky looking as the haunted house of fiction usually is. It is situated less than three miles from the Perth Town Hall and the present occupiers have only been there a little while. It is the neighbours who supply the real story. The beginnings of the mystery date back to four or five years ago, at which time a lady and her small son resided in the house, the husband being frequently away. The lady had noticed that there seemed to be an unusual number of noises about the house, but not being nervous, she ascribed them to mice or some other ordinary causes. One night, she was awakened suddenly from sleep with the firm consciousness that somebody had entered the room. When her eyes became accustomed to the gloom, she discerned something white near her bed. To her horror, it glided towards her and she found herself looking into the face of a big man dark and bearded, wearing apparently a turban. Ooh, it's a genie. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) What what was so funny about that? (laughs) I'm just thinking about rubbing the genie. (laughs) (laughs) One hand was was apparently clutching something. Oh, Oh, I've picked the wrong story. Where's this story going? (laughs) I could hardly wait. Keep talking. The face looked down on her with a menacing look and she trembled all over. Could not cry out. (laughs) Then the ghostly spectre seemed to dissolve away and she found herself looking at the familiar object of a wardrobe at the other end of the room. Oh, God, we're so tired. (laughs) We just just went there. We are really dragging our sorry asses across the line. (laughs) She 
switched on all the lights and made a thorough search of the place. All the locks were as she had left them. The lady had had, turn the page, nursing experience and had seen death before. Uh She decided that it was all a horrible nightmare and that at most she had been seeing only a distorted view of her own self in the wardrobe mirror. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Her little boy was sleeping peacefully as ever in his cot in the corner of the room. She returned to bed, keeping the light on, and saw nothing further. For a well, month, that's boring. For a month, despite slight noises, there was no further trouble, and her confidence grew again in the light of day. The lady was shy of telling even her own husband. Then, when alone in the house with her boy, the ghostly spectre again made itself manifest. The same sudden awakening, the same menacing figure, the same cold sweat, and then a complete disappearance. But this time there was a difference. From the bed close by came a smothered sob. (laughs) And within a... I thought I did a pretty good job of that. Yep. Within a second, the light was switched on and the mother was by her son's bed. The little fellow was shivering from fright and staring with glassy eyes at the ceiling. The mother controlled herself and soothed him until he became normal again. It's okay. What frightened you, she asked. Oh, mummy, quivered the little chap. A big man with a white cap and a knife in his hand came and stood over my bed. The lady gave notice next morning. Two days before they left the house, her little boy came running in with the announcement. There's two men going past dressed like the man that frightened me in bed, mummy. The mother rushed out and saw two Afghans going peacefully about their business. But their headdress was the same as that of the figure that appeared to her twice in the night. When she told two or three old residents of the neighbourhood why she was leaving, they didn't seem surprised. Other people hadn't stayed as long, they said. Suddenly, then there, sorry, since there had, uh, have been several tenants who have left similarly suddenly. The present occupants have not been long in possession and none of the neighbours care to discuss the matter with them. But among those who have lived in the vicinity for years, there is a firm, though rarely voiced, belief that something is wrong with the house. But why? something strange in the neighbourhood. Who's it going to be? That house. But, but why an Afghan? No Afghan has ever lived in the house or even in the street. And the only connection, vague as it is, in the early camel trekking days of Kulgadi, the Afghan camel men had often camped in the vicinity and two of their then leaders had afterwards been murdered. Mm. Is this ghostly spectre one of them on these murdered Afghan camel men? One can only wonder. And this is an Australian ghost it's story. An Australian ghost story. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's very cool. Now we've got a little bit of time, so oh, let's I've got go more to questions. another let's go to another question. Um Steve just wants to remind you all how much he loves old people. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> uh, all right, from uh, Sasha. When is the veil the thinnest? And she loves our radio show. Oh, thank you, Sasha. Hope you're well, my darling. Mm. We're thinking of you. So we think about the veil being the thinnest at um, two points in the year, which is Halloween and the exact six-month um 
time after that. So two periods of the year, six months apart, one of them being Halloween and the other one being oh, whatever it is. I can't remember. <laughs> 31st of March it'd be, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's when they say the veil is the thinnest. But, you know, um, I guess from the centuries of, of people trying to connect with spirit, um, that's kind of what has traditionally been passed down as the two dates uh, where you can speak to your loved ones. Um, and there's the Day of the Dead in Mexico as well, which is similar sort mm. of timing. Yeah, so every every culture has its moment in time. There's where, All Saints Day in yeah. the Catholic Church. Yep, well, it was... They stole it, we yeah, know. We know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of changed that, but never mind. Yeah. Um, because it was All Souls Day, and then they thought, well, we'd better chuck in Old Saints Day just to balance things out. Yeah. Because Keep all the we, pagans Unfortunately, happy. we can't lose All Souls, all Souls Day. They won't let it go. The bastards. So, yeah, um, that, yeah that would answer the question. Yes. Uh, and thank you. Uh, I think the veil is thinnest when you are close to death. Oh, very good answer, Miss I Anne. know. I just have moments of genius and then it passes. <laughs> moments of clarity. Um, and uh, who was that? They said, don't rub that lamp too much. You never know what will come out. Uh, oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dazza. Um, okay, now we have some more 1980s food for you. Oh, yeah. Spam. Spam. Whole pineapple with cheese cubes and pickle onions stuck in it with toothpicks. Oh, that's just horrendous oh this is a good one i'd forgotten about this one thanks barb apricot chicken oh <laughs> every everyone made apricot chicken oh yep. my god it's like they discovered chicken and apricots and uh, barb's also sent us a beautiful message just wanted to say good evening to you you two beautiful ladies and let you know just how much i'm loving this show and all the amazing work you do keep up your awesomeness and just remember haters gonna hate because they wish they could be as fabulous as you oh, too Bob. if you could see what we look like right now <laughs> After we've dragged ourselves from Dubbo to the show. Um, And a quick question. What is ectoplasm and how is it formed? Ectoplasm is said to be a substance that is extruded through the orifices of a physical medium. Uh, And quite often you'll hear people saying, oh, yeah, there's ectoplasm in the room. Well, ectoplasm is something that is created by a physical medium. Um, The ectoplasm floating around the place is the Ghostbusters movie. Not the same thing. And it is thought that it was actually, if I remember correctly, produced from their pancreas. Uh, And it comes out through anywhere you may have a hole in your body. So the physical seances I've been to, I've seen it come out through nose, mouth, ears, belly button... And there are some famous physical mediums, uh, Eva C, notably one, Could who blow had actually <laughs> blown out their ass, <laughs> and we call it vagiplasm. Oh, so there we go. Oh. I hope that answers your question. I love physical mediumship seances and the old Victorian seance era, and it's something I've done a bit of study on. So uh, I hope that answered your question. Thanks, Barb. And just a reminder that all Spooky Sunday episodes are now in podcast form on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Deezer. Yeah, and if you missed out on our uh, ghostwriter story last night where we looked at the zombie attack on Isaac and Claire's wedding, um, you can now listen to that. I do believe that it's up. It is up. It's the first episode up on um, our 
channel yep. on uh, Spotify and iTunes. So look for Spooky Sundays with the great uh, Newcastle Live logo lime in green. lime green. Can't miss it. And uh, you have about 32 episodes to catch up on. Yeah. So you've also got the True Podcasts, True Hauntings podcast. Oh, I still have this thing going on in my jaw with this tooth. I'm on antibiotics and I'm having a rough time. Uh, what, are we talk- what are we talking about this week? The Winchester House. Yes. <gasps> and there is an ending on that that you would never guess in 1,000 years is that Miss Anne kind of dug out. And this kind of blows the lid on the whole Winchester oh, House, but dear. you've got to go to True Hornings podcast and listen to I it. I do like finding the juicy gossip. Hello, Robert. How are you? So glad to hear you've got your internet back at last. Uh, and a big shout out to Eric and Natasha. That was bloody funny, that thing you just sent through. <laughs> anyway, um, we didn't get your question, but I did have a good chuckle. My story tonight is about some awards. I did hint at it earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do know about the Darwin Awards don't we mm-hmm. yeah. uh, where it's stories about people who have died in the most stupid ways and we've heard of the Nobel Prize yeah yeah well I've got one for you called the Ig Nobel oh yes yes Nobel yes prize yeah. yep, yep. Uh, and I had actually never heard of these before so I was very excited to find in the uh, Fortean Times of November 2021. Oh, we love the Fortean uh, Times. Oh, we do. I've got a subscription. I love it that much. Uh, a story about the Ignobles. So these are awarded every year by the Annals of Improbable Research. The Annals of Improbable Annals. Research. Anals? No, anal <laughs> has one L. This has two. Oh. So I'm going to stick with my anal. Right. You can have the anal. Right, okay. <laughs> okay. You keep rubbing that genie, genie lamp. Who knows what will come <laughs> I'm out. I'm going to rub hard. All right. So... Um, the, the Ig Nobel Prize rewards research that makes people laugh but then think. Previous years have seen the prize go to papers that involved homosexual necrophilia in ducks. Uh, what? Just wrap your head around that. Homosexual necrophilia in ducks. Okay. Okay. Someone had to study that. Fine. So that that's um, same-sex ducks having sex with dead ducks. Right. Okay. <laughs> this is not going to end well, is it? Mummy and Daddy will need to explain <laughs> that to the kiddies. Oh, All right. Luck. I'm only in the intro here. All the right. physics of dripping teapots and showing Star Wars films to locusts. Oh. These are all scientific studies that have been done. Like... Proper ones. But they do make you think, don't they? No. Uh, the 2021 crop is no less startling and diverse. Handing out, Handed out by real Nobel laureates, although in an online ceremony, thanks to, to COVID, bloody COVID, uh, the Ignobles rewarded researchers from 24 countries on six continents. Winners of the 10 prizes included Commander John A. Mulrennan, retired of the US Navy, who received the Etymology Prize for Eradicating Cockroaches on Submarines with Powerful Organophosphate Insecticide. Isn't that just my oh, point? See, 
uh, cockroaches on submarines would just be terrifying. Well, it, you imagine if they started breeding, they'd get into everything. Mm. They'd eat the wiring. That could be deadly underneath there. Yep, we had be. cockroaches eat one of our dishwashers once. It wasn't nice. Uh, the Ecology Prize went to the researchers from Spain and Iran for a paper entitled The Wasted Chewing Gum Bacteriome, which used genetic analysis to identify the species of bacteria that grows on wads of chewing gum stuck to the pavements in various countries. Wow. I mean, just wrap your head around that. They've gone around to various countries scraping gum off the ground to have a look at the... The um, bacterium, um, yom, <laughs> yomi. <laughs> I have a music degree. Just remember that. Um, uh, so, hang on. Uh, the transportation prize was won by an international consortium of researchers from Namibia. 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 That's it. South Africa, Tanzania, Zimbabwe, Brazil, UK, and the USA. They found. Now, look, this is just fascinating. They found that airlifting tranquilized rhinoceroses upside down is preferably better, or well, probably better than the current method of carrying them on their side in slings. And they've actually got a lovely picture there of a rhinoceros that's being dragged around by its feet by a helicopter. Great studies. Good to see the money's going to good use here. <laughs> oh, no. The biology prize went to Dr. Suzanne Schotz of Lund University in Sweden for a series of papers on cat communication. Oh. Look, we all need to understand how those pussies work, and that's a shout-out to John with Mrs. Slocum and the pussy. Um, looking exactly uh, what they probably mean by all the meows, purrs, trills, chirps, hisses, howls, and growls that they make. Oh, just, yeah, we that's, have that's a, important science. It is. It's a cat communicator. Yeah. This research was particularly deserving of recognition as behavioural research on cats has a reputation for giving scientists nervous breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got Chem or Chem Bullet uh, from Germany. Oh, those Germans. Oh. Won the medicine prize. Uh, look, I don't know if I'm going to go this one. I don't think I like it. Won the medicine prize for discovering... Uh, a, uh, an effective treatment of decongestant, uh, clearing the blocked nose, and apparently that is through orgasm. So by having an orgasm, you can decongest your blocked nose. So they came apparently came up with this idea by, um, by self-observation. <laughs> Oh, oh, my nose is unblocked. It's <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> God. Okay. Uh, he recruited couples who were willing to use a device to measure their nasal airflow before sex, immediately after orgasm, and a number of intervals afterwards, although he admits that not everyone produced usable data, saying, I think some people couldn't focus on the device. <laughs> Oh, Isn't this wonderful? The Chemistry Prize went to research carried out by Professor Jonathan Williams on how odours released by cinema audiences, <laughs> not put into the audience, but released by the audiences, mm -hmm. change on 
depending on what they are seeing on the screen, finding that they were different when people viewed comedy, suspense or violence. I think if they got a bit of a scare, the smell might be a little bit pooey. Oh, I think it's the curry that they got before they got into the The cinema. Popcorn. Uh, It was even proved possible to distinguish between different film age ratings by the level of isoprene given off by the audience. Oh, come on. This is ridiculous. Oh, excuse me. This is a fabulous article. Right. Research on beards. Yes, beards. The Buttsman would be proud. Won David Carrier the Ig Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, Carrier, a professor of biology at the University of Utah, or Utah, gave the prize for research that investigated whether men evolved beards to protect their faces in fist fights. I, I think the Buttsman would agree on that. Um, this involved dropping weights onto a bone-like material covered in sheep fleece and led to the conclusion that hairy skin is a significantly better energy absorber than bare skin. He is now wondering whether beards may also act as obscurants, making it hard for an assailant to accurately char- target someone's jaw. So if you want to punch him on the, the face, you, you might miss because it's all bush. Yeah. Hashtag sacred bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, the economics prize. Yep, there's an economics prize. I know you're shocked, Renata. I can see your face from here. Was won by Pavlo Blavatsky from Montpellier Business School who used a computer algorithm on photos of politicians to find there was a high correlation between obesity and national corruption. Yeah, we, we yeah, I don't think we didn't need a study for that's that. That's fat cats, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the physics prize went to Alessandro Corbetta, uh, of their research, which could explain why pedestrians don't collide with each other, and the kinetics prize to work by Hisashi Murakami and colleagues that show why sometimes they do collide with each other. <laughs> Well, that was great. They cancelled each other out. Mm. Uh, so, um, uh, presenting the ceremony, Annals of Improbable Research Editor Mark Abrams concluded, if you didn't win an Ig Nobel tonight, and especially if you did, better luck next year. <laughs> and they rubbish work on spirits and ghosts. Yes. Anything to do with parapsychology, yeah, they, they will, poo-poo on yeah, it. They don't want to have anything to do with it, and yet they'll... Pick gum off a sidewalk and... Yeah, and study the bacteria. Like, mm. that's useful. Or smells that people make in a cinema. Oh. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that one. We are now speaking to the gorgeous Miss Christie from Spells and Spirits, who has been away all day today learning something very, very new and exciting. Yes, so I'm now a facilitator for Access Bars, which means I can press all different buttons on your head and reset your life. Oh, oh very nice. I like a good button yeah. pressing. Mm. Oh, me too. Now, um, <laughs> I will say I did have a bit of a chuckle listening to you, Pear, getting into a lather over anal <laughs> and anal. <laughs> yes, we had a little incident on our live oh. show on Thursday night where um, sometimes uh, names from other cultures um, oh, are a bit discombobulated. Yes, it was, it was. And uh, sometimes you don't realise what it is until you say it out loud. And then when you say it out loud and you realise what it sounds like, you that sort of fall over in, in a fit. And you don't mean to be rude to the people, but um, you, we're just grotty. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, sorry, Emil. Oh, dear. I last half an hour. I'm really sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry too. <laughs> it, took, it took me a while to get there, but then I finally got it. <laughs> right, so yes, we are going to Glastonbury very, very soon. We are leaving, actually, in seven days. Yes, seven <gasps> days and uh, what did I just work at? Nine hours we'll be on the plane. Oh, oh my Lord. Just yep. holding it together just long enough. So you're going to ask us some questions, aren't you? Yes. Oh, you're interviewing us. Yes. <laughs> I know. Yes. Because I, I just don't have the brain capacity to do anything else today. But neither do we, so, so this is going to be fun. <laughs> I know. So Glastonbury, so we've got tales of Joseph of Arimathea and the Holy Grail, King Arthur and Guinevere. And if you've read The Mists of Avalon, then I really dislike Guinevere in that book. <laughs> but <clears throat> Avalon and you know, Glastonbury, you know, a uh, mecca of spiritual and goddess energies. So mm-hmm. it's, it is considered a spiritual centre since the megalithic times and a time that Renata would well remember. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I'm not the only one doing it! Yay! <laughs> oh, it's a place where Christian and pagan mingle, beliefs mingle. So overlooking the village is Glastonbury Tall. Topped with the remains of St. Michael's Church. Is there going to be a quiz? Yes. (laughs) Yes, there is. Take notes, people. And some say it's the resting place of the Holy Grail and the doorway to Avalon and the land of, I'm going to say the F word, Mary. Oh, my God. But yes, as as Anne and Renata, you're both returning to Glastonbury on your travels. Yes. Um, I just thought I'd ask you a few questions about Glastonbury. So being that it's such a... Spiritual, witchy, fairy, yes, all of those lovely things that we all love. Yes, so, yes. So you both get to answer all questions. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So my first question is: so I know when you go somewhere that's touted as a centre of something, the place can fail to meet your expectations. So what's the feeling you get when you arrive, and does it evoke a feeling of "Well, I'm here"? Well, the last time we were in a car together and I was approaching, we were approaching Glastonbury, I screamed yes. for quite some time going, Oh my God, yeah. you're almost there! The door! The door! The door! The door! And she started to cry and I'm thinking, oh my God. <laughs> So, so that, that kind of tells you how much I like the place. Yeah, it's, <laughs> okay. not, it's not touristy. Um, it is, it's real. Yeah. It's very real. Yeah, and look, lots of tourists do come there uh, and <laughs> enjoy themselves. It's the bumpy road. Yeah, right? and, <laughs> and, and do do uh, take in the spiritual context of the place. But it's such such a place of diversity. Uh, I follow a uh, Facebook page called um, uh, Glastonbury Now or something yeah. like that, or only in Glastonbury or something like that. And they always post Normal pictures. Normal in Glastonbury, uh, is it? Yeah, and they always post pictures of things that are happening in Glastonbury and it's the only place where you can go down the street and go to your local IGA and in the store there is a wizard, a knight and a magician (laughs) all dressed up buying their local groceries and you go I so want to be there I want to live in a place like that where a magician can go and buy his groceries Mm -hmm. at the local shop and um, yeah, no one bats an eye Mm So what makes it a spiritual place for you? So we've got the Glastonbury Tour, we've got the Chalice Well. Oh, 
the wells for me. Absolutely yeah. the wells. Not so much the chal- chalice well, it's the white well. Um, Renata took me in there. Uh, the first time I went, um, I went in there and um, you enter into a cave mouth and over one side they have uh, the, the, the male mm-hmm. uh, gods' altars, altars yep. and yep. on the other side they have the, the feminine and um, the idea is that you don't take photos or anything in there and but when you first walk down the stairs into the cave there is this giant pool which is the well mm-hmm. and the water is bubbling up out of it and over the sides and then if you sort of look a little to the left and up you can climb up some stairs and uh, there is a, a pool that you can actually get into now it was quite chilly when we were there mm-hmm. and there were people that were stripping off naked and getting into that pool mm-hmm. and they were squealing as we were getting in uh, and then we sat in the, the feminine side yep. and it was the most glorious beautiful moment everyone had their little clooties tied on the trees around the places and there was uh the god's eyes and um it 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 was a very special place for me yeah it's it is um the wells are beautiful i do love chalice well as well uh as well as well as well and they they're side by side which is very interesting because the chalice well has uh iron deposits in it so it's it's rather a strong uh uh essence of water it's not something you really drink but the white well has pure water and a lot of the locals actually come down and fill up plastic containers yeah, which you did. can do and uh, they take it home and that's all they drink they drink from the well um, but it's that's very very spiritual uh, of course you have a, a whole lot of the um, shops that are around that um, it's have, a center of knowledge yeah so it's everything but yep go ahead there's some more questions well that is my next question what's your favorite shop Oh. <laughs> oh, there are so many bookshops there that are just like astounding. You just want to go in and go, yeah, I'll just take one of everything. Thank you. Um, so the bookshops are fabulous for me. I, I love them because you'll find things in there that you can't find anywhere else. And there's secondhand books. Yes. I love secondhand books. And sometimes you can find some absolute treasures in there. So if you've done some research and some knowledge, you've got knowledge on various um occult or witchcraft or paranormal and you know what you're looking for you can find absolute gold you found a dion fortune book if yes. i remember correctly yeah 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 now if someone was going there for the first time what is the one must they must do. You must stay for at least two nights, three days, two nights minimum. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to make the trek to the tour. You have to go up to the tour and uh, sit. And we always comment on the fact that uh, there are no sort of um, posts or railings or anything there uh, as would be in Australia. Everything would be, be careful, you know, there'd be handrails, there'd be things that sort of keep you away from the the edge uh, and there's nothing there. Uh, you just sit and you're a normal person that can take responsibility for themselves. But from the tour, you see the, the whole countryside 360 view and it's just this magnificent place where uh, rituals are always taking place and it's just beautiful. Yeah, and be prepared the fact that it is vegan, very much a vegan town. There is not much in the way of meat there, uh, but there is a lovely cafe that does a vegan banquet, and I really quite enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, it was nice. I can't remember what it's called, but it was on the right-hand side as you walked up the hill. Mm. <laughs> 
Well, that was my last question. What's good to eat there? Yeah. <laughs> no, they do do food well. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Very and nice. a nice variety of food. Uh, but as I said, it is pretty heavily vegetarian vegan. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you, Miss Christie, for um, our interview about Glastonbury. If anybody wants to catch up on uh, our travels, head to uh, Frightfully Good uh, um, with Anne and Renata on Facebook and all of our socials and, of course, to the Anne and Renata YouTube page. Yes, Anne and Renata Granny Ghost Hunters, it's called at the moment. Uh, So head over to YouTube. Make sure you have subscribed. Hit the bell so you get notified when we go live. We will be doing lots and lots of lives. We'll do one from Glastonbury just for you, Christy. Thank you. Thank and you. And I'll be looking after you too as well. You're <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you, Christy. I'll be dropping the gear to you in a week's time. <laughs> Thank Wonderful. you. I'll see you soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. Welcome back, everyone. We have a very long song to oh, go geez. to the... I wanted to make it epic for our last song oh, before well, we go enough. away. Uh, so we have a, a big song to go to, but we have a winner we to announce. We have a winner, so I asked Christy to pick a number between 1 and 50. She did so, and she came up with number 23. And congratulations to someone who just sent their name through, because I only had their phone number, Isabel Montalti. You are our winner. If you could send through your address... We will get that haunted magazine to you and one of our frightfully good coffee mugs. I'm sorry we didn't get to answer any of your questions, and you had some awesome questions. We'll keep it until uh, next time. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll uh, screenshot those and we'll uh, we might even put them on our YouTube channel when we, we're doing. I want to be a ghost hunter. Yes. Um. So yeah, awesome idea. Yeah, and I have them occasionally. Yeah. So this is it. Yes, this, this is it. Now remember, guys, there will be a show every Sunday. We have been so busy pre-recording. We've sweated our butts off for you guys. Even Christy from Spells and Spirits has come in and recorded in the studio for her segment. So please, 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 please come on every Sunday and and share the show, listen to the show, even though we are not there live, we are there in spirit and we have done our best to make sure that there is a show every Sunday for you while we are away. Make sure that you join us on our tours and our travels over the next four weeks. It's going to be absolutely epic. We love you all. We thank you for continuing to be here every Sunday for us. It makes us so proud to be part of Newcastle Live Radio and presenting this to you. This is a big thing to for two women to be presenting on a Sunday evening a show all about ghosts. It is huge. Yeah. And so we only have you guys, your listeners, you people, to thank for keeping us here. And we love doing it. So, yeah, we absolutely appreciate it. Uh, Isabel, send me your uh, address. I've got to send you a prize. If we don't get that in the next day or two, <laughs> I'm not going to see it till we come back from England in a month. All right. We're going to our last song for the evening, and it is Prince Purple Rain. Au revoir, people. Bye-bye, everyone. Most mysteries can be solved by looking at the facts, but sometimes the facts don't give us the answer. So it's time to call in Anne and Renata. Spooky Sundays, when the truth lies beyond a logical answer. Dive deep into the world of the unknown with real ghost stories and the unexplainable, sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. It's Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Sunday from 8pm, only on Newcastle Live.